Welcome to Guys Without Helmets, a podcast all about pro and fantasy football. My name is Dave. As always, I'm joined by my guys Josh and Caleb. Today, we want to talk about the trade, the latest trade to happen in the NFL this offseason. This is the trade between the Atlanta Falcons and the Tennessee Titans for Julio Jones. Josh, tell me a little bit about this trade. Yep, the Falcons will be receiving a second and a fourth, and the Titans will be receiving, obviously, Julio Jones and a six-round pick. The Falcons got the same thing that they got for Muhammad Sanu that they got for Julio Jones. Okay, so not number one value like they were talking about getting, perhaps, Caleb. I mean, when you look at Julio Jones, you would want, you would think you would have more right. weight with them. When you look at Hopkins, it was a similar situation. They didn't really get anything. So, And I think they didn't look like they tried to get anything from him, even. Like, there was no hype in the news about it. Right, they just, just, just kind of happened. Yeah, it just happened. Shannon Sharp was talking to him. He said, I'm out of there. And that was it. There's no drama. There's no nothing in the media about it. It was kind of quiet. Okay, and I understand he's he's a six foot three at the time. Did a four three nine. This is a long time ago. I don't know when the last time a pro of this stature gets to run a forty. But he was a speedster coming in the league. He's now thirty two years old. I mean, how much value does a thirty two year old wide receiver really have in the NFL? I mean, it's a special talent. So you always got to take that for what it is. Sure. It's not Randall Cobb or something like that. I mean, he averages fifteen yards a catch, and he's. Averages the most yards per game in NFL history, so he's he's pretty good. He does, and as we talked about in a previous episode, he certainly, in today's standards, is among the leaders in many, many categories. All-time great, I think we, he, at 32, I don't know how many years he has left, but I think he still has a little bit to, to make that all-time list. Who are the real winners and losers in a trade like this? I think the only winner are the Titans. That's too big of a, a gap to fill just getting a second-round pick. Like, you really have to hit home on that second-round pick for it to even be worth it at all. Yeah, it's not a good trade. Not oh. at all. For the Falcons. For the it's Falcons. It's terrible for the Falcons. I mean, now they have Calvin Ridley. He's going to get number one coverage, and he's just a speedster. He's really good. He's a good speedster. Right. But he's not Julio. And then you have Russell Gage and Olamide Zacchaeus trying to fill that void, and it just doesn't look good. Yeah, and I think we talked about this with Juju Smith-Schuster as well. He was a phenomenal number two when you had – a number one in front of him getting a lot of attention. And there's no doubt Julio Jones gets the vast majority of the attention in Atlanta up till now. So putting Calvin Ridley in a one spot, I mean, who's the number two that's going to step up and make that easier? Of course, they just drafted a wonderful tight end. But wide receiver-wise, do you think Pitts is enough that this is going to fill a void of a veteran like Julio Jones? Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can easily project for that to be easily filled. So I think Kyle Pitts can be a fantastic option. But luckily, we were able to see Calvin Ridley play by himself in a couple games last year. So we got a little bit of a preview of that. But as you said, the gap likely won't be filled in terms of talent or production. Yeah, so the Atlanta Falcons had Julio from 2011 to 2020. Two-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time NFL receiving yard leader, NFL receptions co-leader in 2015. Uh, all-decade team of the 2010s. Uh, needless to say, in Alabama, he won a national championship, SEC champion. He was freshman of the year, all-SEC. Definitely has a pedigree. We agree he is a perennial Hall of Famer. Yep, and he also has the most yards per game in NFL history. 96.0 average yards per game is an NFL record. That is fantastic. And to date, guys, just to, if we can rank him on the all-time list, he currently holds 848 receptions, 12,896 12, receiving yards with a 15.2 yards per reception. And he has 60 receiving touchdowns. So, without a doubt, this is a player that's going to be missed from an Atlanta Falcon team. Make no Jones about it. Make no Jones about it. Let's talk about the other side. Tennessee Titans, we've talked about they've, they've lost some players. And I said in a previous episode they were a little thinner on the offense and productivity. This certainly will compensate. But let's talk about what that offense is going to look like. You think Julio's better than Josh Reynolds? Is this, <laughs> is this a question? <laughs> Corn Julio? 
Corn Julio, Julio Caesar. You said Corn Julio? Yeah, and Julio Caesar. <laughs> I think this only helps A.J. Brown out. I think A.J. Brown was phenomenal his past two years. He's been playing in the league. Mm-hmm. He was playing with some messed up knees last year. He had some surgery this offseason on both knees to repair some damage. Nothing major. He's recovered from that already, I believe. I think this helps him out. And Julio, he will get a lot of the number one coverage on the team, which only opens things up for A.J. Brown deep down the field. Yeah, and the, the offense can be especially scary for defenses because you have two alpha receivers playing. You obviously have Derrick Henry, who probably has the biggest, largest plays in terms of stiff arms right. and big runs in the NFL last two years especially. Uh, just defenses aren't going to want to play against that, obviously. So while Julio might not be Julio of years past, but I think he's still going to be very valuable on the team, it also takes away a little bit from A.J. Brown from being possibly the number one receiver in the league. Yeah, and another thing you have to think about is, is team chemistry. I realize that uh, today general manager of the Tennessee Titans, John Robinson, said uh, the obvious, I think. We feel like we had a good football team coming into today. Hopefully we bolstered it today by adding Julio. Uh, he went on to say, again, the absolute obvious. He can run the full route tree. He's got really good size. He's a good long catch radius, good catching skills. He's strong with the ball in his hands. We all know this. My question for you guys, what is the shelf life of an NFL wide receiver these days at 32, how long can he make an impact? Um, you could probably see him be as good for the next three years, possibly. I mean, just look at Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, he's been nothing for the last two or three years, but up to that point, he's been very, very productive. Even having one of his best playoff runs or stretch of games in his career towards the end of his career. Yeah, I think when you look at his games last year, week one, played 80% of snaps, had 12 catches. Excuse me, 12 targets, 9 catches, 157 yards. And then he was he got hurt in the Dallas game, left early, played. He had four points in fantasy, so four targets, two catches. Not too good news. Hurt, hurt, hurt. Came back Minnesota, had eight catches, 137 yards. The next game, eight catches, 97 yards. And it gets better and better. And then he gets hurt again week 13, or excuse me, week 11 and leaves. Okay, so let's, let's he's talk. played nine games, mm-hmm. and he's still averaged 85 yards a game. So I don't think he's fallen off yet. I think he's yeah. just playing through injuries. Yeah, he's still going to be very impactful, but hopefully these injuries aren't something that's going to keep reoccurring at his age. Yeah, and that that would be my question is it, he'd certainly had stints where he missed long periods of time in the past at, you know, as he's grown into this veteran player that he is. Um, I don't think, you know, again, he's going to miss a few games. He he seems to always find a way to miss a few. Let's just hope it's nothing too terrible. So, with Ryan Tannehill now clearly in the driver's seat with this team and Derrick Henry, obviously, again, another home run hitter for them. You mentioned A.J. Brown. What else is this offense looking like? Is there depth? Is there anything fantasy people should be looking for outside of this one-two punch of Brown and Jones? Uh, It's very shallow, I'd say. Shallow enough that there's no real depth in fantasy? Shallow enough there's no real depth on that team in general? I mean, they didn't have any depth at receiver to start. Corey Davis was an average second option before he left, and now they got Josh Reynolds, who's probably worse than Corey Davis. So it's, it's really just Brown, Julio, Henry, and Tannehill, four players for fantasy. Yeah, I don't think it's worth projecting. A guy who is a number three receiver, number four receiver, you could argue, on the Rams. Right. So that's hard to project in itself. He's going to be a number three on this team immediately as well. And uh, the tight end position is very new. Like, Anthony or Ferkser was not playing a ton of snaps up until John got hurt. Right. And then he wasn't very super productive as a receiver, so we don't know where we're getting there. So I'd really only project those top three options, as you said. Okay. So overall, I think that it's better – overall because Julio is clearly better than Corey Davis, so it's going to be better. If right. the system works out, it's going to be fine. Yeah, I would say Janu isn't a massive loss, 
well, it's nice to have a weapon like him. He or wasn't putting up a ton of receptions. While he was scoring touchdowns, you have Derrick Henry and you now have Julio Jones, who's going to have a lot of attention drawn off of him because of A.J. Brown. All right, so Ryan Tannehill, we all know team chemistry, quarterback has to be in a groove with his guys. Julio's still fast. He's still effective. He still can stretch the field. What does this mean for Ryan Tannehill? How's it going to affect his game? Tell me a little bit about all those pieces. Yeah, this is only more upside for Ryan Tannehill. I mean, the, we've, as we said before, Corey Davis, he's a solid receiver. He's not Julio Jones. Johnny Smith didn't have a ton of receptions, so he's not going to be insanely missed in this offense. So I think there's only up for Ryan Tannehill. It's going to be a very balanced offense, as we said. They got the best player in the trade. There's obviously no other players in the trade. And I think it's hard to say that they lost, and it's hard to say that their offense got worse. I think everything just got better for the Titans. And definitely for Ryan Tannehill. Okay, Matty Ice, we talked about this again in the previous episode, how it seems like they're committed to him for a year or two. Uh, they they seem to, in my opinion, by bringing in Pitts, look like they're going to shore up that offense, giving, uh, giving Matty Ice a little more uh, flexibility, some options for sure. Uh, so let's talk about that side. How are the Atlanta Falcons offense going to look, and how is that going to affect uh, you know, Matty Ice? I think it took a major hit. If they don't make a trade sometime early in the season or before the season starts, they're not going to be able to fill that void that they just left. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, they're going to have to restructure Matt Ryan's contract because they have a lot of cap issues. That's one of the reasons why Julio left, because he had to restructure it as well. If you look at the 2022 wide receiver free agents, you have Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Calvin Ridley. They have to figure out his contract there in Atlanta. Chris Godwin, DJ Moore, Will Fuller, Robbie Anderson, Juju, Chark, and Crowder. Jameson Crowder clearly wants out of New York right now. He could be one of the guys that they trade for. They can get him pretty cheap. They can use one of those fourths they just got from the Tennessee Titans to get them probably. So you're implying that they have some more room to do on that offense to shut it up? Yeah, they have a lot to do. There's a ton of free agent wide receivers next year. They could have their eyes on one of those guys, and that's why they made the move. Okay. Any cap space to play with here on this um, team? This would be the only year they'd be able to get or acquire anybody because mm-hmm. Matt Ryan, as we said, restructured his contract, which means they're taking all the money and they're pushing it back. So next season – after this season upcoming, he'd be getting paid around $49 million, and the year after, $43 million. So as we said, they lost Julio Jones, which means that, mean that was just a piece for them to go to the playoffs and get right. a playoff run and go to a Super Bowl. But they're just taking that away while also paying their quarterback. So I'm not quite sure what the situation of the future is going to be. But, I mean, they got Kyle Pitts, but that's not going to do anything as a rookie. It's not going to be like... Missing Julio and getting Kyle Pitts, even if Kyle Pitts is better than Julio last year and reliable, right. it's not going to do anything for this team, and they're going to be right back at the bottom with the cap space as they were last yeah, year. Yeah, I think even if Kyle Pitts is what everyone thinks he is, generational player, it's just going to be a lateral move from losing Julio to that. So it just replaced Julio on paper. That's best-case scenario. So they're still a bottom team in their division with the same team they had last year. Yeah, Kyle Pitts has to be one of the best in the league to even make this a lateral move. I just don't see it. As long, if they get someone else, sure, but they're paying Matt Ryan way too much money for them to have a bright future in the next few years. All right, so let's talk about the Titans again for a second before we move on because I know we've talked about some of the activity of both of these teams, but a lot of people consider the Tennessee Titans. Oh, you've already said it, Caleb, and I agree with you. The Atlanta Falcons are not a contender. They're just not. I'd be shocked if they're – and they're not a dumpster fire. They've definitely got some room to do some things. Matty, I, so I can't discount him yet, and Pitts is going to be a fantastic addition. I think they have some room – Let's see what they do. It's a, it's a wait and see for me. Yeah, and exactly as you said, they're not a winning team. They haven't won since 2017, mm-hmm. and that's the whole reason that Julio Jones and this trade even occurred is because that team is not winning. A lot of people say they are a contender, as I mentioned. So if they're a contender, you can't really win a championship without an elite defense, in my opinion. But just a quick pop quiz. Name name a couple of Titan defenders that are off the chain, good defenders. 
they signed Janoris Jenkins. They got Danico Altry, and they got Bud Dupree. Yep, and they also drafted Elijah Molden and Caleb Farley and Rashawn Evans. Okay, and, and to that end, the reason I ask this question is Tennessee had perhaps the worst pass rush in the league last year, essentially tying the Lions for the lowest pressure rate, which that should change with Bud Dupree alone. Um, but also the Titans allowed the second most passing touchdowns um, again, behind only the Lions. So, and again, Caleb Farley, I get it. They're addressing it. But for this team to take a step forward, and again, we're discounting the Falcons, so we just don't think they're there. But for many of you who think that the Tennessee Titans are there, what are some ways this defense has taken a step forward with the players they brought in, or what other acquisitions have they done to take that step forward? I mean, they got a lot of big guys up front in the front seven with the Bud Dupree especially. I mean, if you look at his numbers last year before he got hurt, he was a top 10 edge rusher, and that's definitely going to help them out in that, that division. It is difficult in that division because you're playing against the Colts, which is a top five O-line every year. And who will win this division this year. Yeah, they'll probably win the division more than likely. But playing against those big guys in O-line, they were kind of just getting stuffed last year, and they definitely addressed the problem. Yeah, my problem is is they they haven't really had any big studs on the defense. Well, they've had a lot of names that were drafted in players like Harold Landry, Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown. They haven't really produced as expected. And I don't know if it's because of the, the defensive coordinator, the defensive scheme. I'm not exactly sure. But they just haven't clicked like they were two years ago when they were shutting down the Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs. Yeah, I think the main question for me is still going to be Ryan Tannehill in the offense. I do think the defense is a push for me. I think Dupree's great, but he had the benefit of, of a great pass rush, and he was one of the cogs in the wheel. Here he's going to be expected to carry that uh, a little bit heavier than he did. So back to what I was saying about Ryan I think Tannehill and the offense and how they perform, especially with offense coordinator Arthur Smith, who obviously is now going over to the Falcons. Um, but by just efficiency and, and the way we've seen Tannehill perform, uh, I think a big wait and see for me before I can speak into this too much. Of course, we don't have a roster set, so we're not done. And as Caleb said, they certainly could bring in some more talent. Uh, but let's see what Ryan Tannehill does and what, how efficient that he is as a quarterback. Uh, for me, that will determine. Uh, I think we live and die by how well he is going to be able to lead this team with who they have. Julio's Julio. He makes any team better because he's still able to make big plays, stretch the field. He's going to get double teamed. I think we all agree on that. So the real question is really, is Ryan Tannehill going to be able to efficiently run this offense under a new scheme? And is their defense going to be able to, to toe the line from last year? Yeah, I'm really comfortable with Ryan Tannehill and what he's done the last year and a half or so. I mean, the receivers are set. They're very good. The third receiver is still in question, whether it's Josh Reynolds or it's a big slot receiver like Des Fitzpatrick, as they've been talking. And then you obviously have Derrick Henry and a good depth piece there in Darrington Evans. So I think the offense is solid. But, I mean, obvious defense concerns and then depth has been the biggest problem. You know, when you look at the Titans, the past ever since they got Vrabel there, they've been a contender every year, in my opinion. I think just getting Julio and stouting up that front seven on their defense is definitely going to help them out. They still have to go through Indianapolis, which is going to be difficult, but I think they're definitely going to be a wild-card team at minimum. All right, well, this is a shorter segment this week, guys, but we wanted to get in and talk about Julio. We wanted to talk about the impact that he may have and how the teams are a little different. As we said, this is a very organic time. We just don't know how these rosters are going to shape up. We hate to say anything absolute or take anything to the bank right now because, as you know, we are not in NFL season. There is activity happening, but there is still a long way to go before we kick off in the fall. So once again, guys, we appreciate you guys tuning in week after week. We This podcast does post weekly. We also appreciate the support on our Instagram 
Instagram page as we get closer to a thousand followers, guys. We are so excited that you guys are going there and you're checking in and we appreciate our guy Josh for keeping that page current and for keeping all the information rolling. So guys, we love to talk to you through our Instagram account. We love that you guys are taking part and it is just booming and growing. So once again, we appreciate that. We also post this podcast to a YouTube channel. So make sure you check out guys without helmets there as well. Like, and subscribe as always tell your friends, guys, if you enjoy pro football, if you enjoy fantasy talk, and if you enjoy podcasts that happen year-round, even when football season is slow, we would love it if you would tell your friends about this podcast. Share it. Uh, obviously, this is a passion for me and my guys, and we enjoy doing this, and, and we do this for people like you. So once again, we thank you for tuning in. Make sure you tune in next week. We'll keep you up to date on our Instagram page. And until then, we'll see you again soon. Thanks again for listening to Guys Without Helmets. <laughs>